Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by the podcast host with courses and mentorship and even audio production and website help. They have everything you need to get your podcast going. So if you're thinking about using one for your freelance business or even just a passion, follow the link via beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for brand strategist Kay Putnam. Nobody was ever going to give me the perfect job. I kind of needed to create that for myself. My favorite thing in the entire world, that I'm able to figure out what my strengths are and figure out what I do best and then make that my job description. Whenever I'm being visible, like people realize that they want to work with you. So, <laughs> so you get a lot of leads. So there's magic in just putting yourself out there and and telling people how you serve the world and what your point of view is because the people who resonate with it are going to to reach out and contact you. Yes, hello, welcome to another one. I hope you're well. I hope everything's going good for you. We will crack on just to tell you beingfreelance.com is the website where you can find over 50 guests now sharing their experiences. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or whichever service you might use so you never miss an episode. And join us on Twitter. Say hi. It's always uh, nice to hear from you. Right now, though, we're going to dive straight in and chat to freelance brand strategist Kay Putnam. Hey, Kay. So happy to be here, Steve. Uh, who, as you can tell, is American, but currently in Italy. We shall find out why in a moment. So how about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance? Absolutely. I have a little bit of an embarrassing story about why I realized I needed to be a freelancer. We like them. Yeah. <laughs> embarrassing stories are fantastic. Uh, so I moved to Tennessee to a new state to be with my husband right after we got married. And I had a degree in marketing. I had a minor in psychology. I had just gotten done working for um, a massive company, Forbes top 10 company. And I got to Tennessee and I couldn't find a job. So I sent out resume after resume after resume for like six months. And I decided that I needed to just contact a temp agency just to get out of the house because I was dreaming at business ideas like every other day. So <laughs> I needed to put my my mind and my time to work. And that temp agency led me to being a bank teller in an even more rural part of Tennessee. And one day I found myself handing over like the stale cigarette stained dollar bills back to my customer. And I was faking a Southern accent. And I realized at that moment... <laughs> <laughs> that my $200 a week paycheck was not worth completely compromising who I was trying to be this different person and that I needed to take control of my career through all of you know through that move that we had just done and then I knew that we were going to be moving a lot in the upcoming years so I knew that I needed to build my own brand and I needed I didn't realize it quite yet but I realized a year or two later that I needed to also build my own brand online so that I could take this career with me wherever we went. Uh, right. Okay. So, cause your husband's in the military, so hence Correct. the whole moving around thing. Yes. Yes. So we've moved four times in the last five years. It's been kind of nuts. <laughs> so it really was that first time where you thought I can't do the work I've trained to do or that I want to do. So where did it take you next then? Um, so I ended up actually finding a job in Tennessee, uh, that fit my degree and fit my talents. Um, so 
you know, I got hired and worked in a marketing job with a bunch of clients um, for a media company for a while. And then again, we ended up moving. So we were in the middle of nowhere again. And I found myself in this place of looking for permission for other people, like, please give me a job. (laughs) Please hire (laughs) me. Please pay me to do something. And I realized how much I did not want to do that anymore. And I wanted to to use James Altucher's uh, phrase, I wanted to choose myself. I wanted to be able to set my own value. I didn't want to compromise for working you know, $7 an hour, whatever you know, just a minimum wage job was. I wanted to, to serve at my highest capacity. So it was at that point, uh, once we moved to Missouri, that I started my online business. And I started out as a blogger and realized really, really quickly that that was not, um, not my calling. (laughs) It was, it was actually in the military community because it was what I knew. So I started a blog called the successful military wife about, um, that topic of, of, you know, maintaining your career throughout this kind of unique lifestyle that we live. Um, but instead of just helping military spouses, I realized that I needed to, to branch out and to help other people start businesses. And, I married that um, that marketing gumption and know-how that I had from school and actually from starting my own business when I was 16 uh, with an intense passion for psychology, and I've been helping people build their online brands since then. So that's the current the current iteration of of being freelance for me. So how did you go about growing that business, as in like finding your clients? Right. So I think the biggest thing when you're getting started is just to find small wins because you're not going to build your dream business in the first day or the first week. Uh, so I did, I think what a lot of freelancers do in the beginning, I like hit the job boards online. I think I, there was one, there's one that disappeared. So I can't remember the name of it anymore, but um, like the Envato marketplace, the um, Elance, the guru.com, those types of places. And I found my first few jobs and those were the confidence builders that I needed to a just get some work in my portfolio, and b to like start building my own brand, my own website, and you know actually presenting myself to the world as a brand strategist. And what was your experience of using those those sort of sites? <laughs> it was kind of like being back in Tennessee, sending out my resume <laughs> umpteen million times with little to no response. So it's kind of a miserable process using those um, job sites, at least in my experience, not the ideal situation for freelancers. Lots of work with not a lot of return at first, but all you really need is just those first few jobs to get the ball rolling, to start building that momentum. And that's all I needed to be able to transition away from that eventually, or as soon as possible, in all honesty. Yeah, it's funny because like, in order to make them work, you need to have a reputation on those sites, which means you've got to find those first clients. But then once you've (laughs) built up that reputation, actually, you were kind of keen to get out of there yeah yes I was (laughs) so how how did you find the I mean you were still online but the real life clients then away from those sites so through those job sites I actually linked up with another entrepreneur and helped him launch an agency so that took the bulk of my time for oh gosh I don't know it was like a year and a half when I first started online so I didn't have to do a lot of the pounding the payment and finding the clients because I was working um, as a subcontractor for this agency. 
Uh, okay, so actually out of one of those freelance sites, whatever we might think of them, you mm-hmm. actually landed a, a longer term yes. gig. Yes, exactly. Cool. And that was also fantastic for like just getting started because I was really able to focus on um, on building out my process, like the unique process that I use to, um, to build brands and also just to build up more of that confidence because... Um, working with all of those different clients, uh, I mean, it's just nice to be busy, especially when you're starting. Um, So that was a really great experience as I was starting out. And then from there, I transitioned to completely having my own clients and finding my, you know, building my own personal brand as a freelancer. So for last year, you've you've not been part of that agency, but rather yeah. been been solo. Yeah. And here's the thing: like, obviously, we'll have a link to your um to your website from beingfreelance.com. I think you've relaunched it recently as well, mm-hmm. haven't you? Yeah. It look because it's looking lovely. Oh, uh, <laughs> but you've got lots of lots of stuff on there. So let's talk about how you sort of constructed your site then, because yeah. it there's a lot of content on there like your your workbooks or your podcasts mm-hmm. or your uh brand quiz actually that's an interesting one because that's like one of the first things you see so oh how did you go gosh. about putting together your site so let me just talk about the brand quiz first just a second because it's completely mind-bending on how effective that's been so as a marketer we know that um that people don't really care about you. They care about like what you can tell them about them themselves. They care about themselves. Um, so I've been using that same quiz. It actually hasn't changed a whole lot for um, three years online. So throughout that whole time that I was working at the agency and then now still I'm using it as a lead generation tool. And over 22,000 people have taken that quiz. Whoa. I know. <laughs> And it was, it was, I was like following a rabbit hole of ideas about branding. And I I landed on this concept of brand archetypes for defining your brand personality. Um, And I thought it was fantastic. I loved it as a tool for my own brand. So I created this quiz uh, based on everything that I could research and find about these brand archetypes. And my goodness, it's just like, it's, it's been incredible. So that would be one piece of advice I would have for other freelancers who are building their own websites is identify ways that you can engage with people on your site as, as opposed to just it all being about you because, Mm. you know, we, we care about ourselves. (laughs) That person that land is landing on your website cares about themselves. So the more that you can tell them about themselves or tell them how you can, make that person that they are better, uh, the more engaged that they'll be. So how long does that brand quiz take to do? I don't mean uh, to create. I mean, actually, if I was on your site, how long does it take for somebody to maybe do Maybe like six or seven minutes. It's not long. It's just a, it's quick and fun. And they put in their email address or something as part of that? Yes. Yeah, so I'm using a platform called uh, Quizzer, Q-Z-Z-R, and it prompts them for their email address after they take the quiz. And it's actually optional, so they don't have to enter their email address if they don't want to. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have to do like a, I'd have to hire a developer to do some kind of custom coding to get a, a quiz that required uh, somebody to enter their email address to get the results. But I think it's actually been a huge blessing because it's been shared so so widely because people don't have any barrier to, to entry. It's just 
they take the quiz, they get the result. If they're interested in learning more or possibly working with me, then they enter the email address. Um, but yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah. And either way, they're encountering your brand and, yeah. what, and then what yeah. you do. Mm-hmm. So, and then beneath that, you've got your, your newsletter, I seem to remember. I haven't actually, this, this is all from memory. I should have opened it. Um, I think you've <laughs> got your impressive. newsletter under that, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> yep. Um, and as a side note, that, that homepage that you're talking about, I literally launched or I updated it. I published it, made it live like three days ago. So I'm I knew, totally I, impressed I, that you saw it. <laughs> But yeah, I have seen this. This is the same content that you had on your older website, though, isn't it? It's just the way it looks, which is really hot and lovely right now. (laughs) Um, When it came to to, to sort of relaunching your website, actually, did you like, because obviously that's quite an investment if you don't do it yourself and Mm -hmm. what have you. How, How did you go about that? Um, so I do do it myself. You did all that yes, yourself? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I do the, I do brand development, which means that I help people connect their, their meaning, like their message to how they look. Um, and very occasionally I'll also design a website for somebody, <laughs> but I do all of my own websites and, and all of my own design. That's really nice. But the reason I sounded surprised <laughs> was because... <laughs> Because it isn't one of your obvious services. Like right. you don't yeah, no. say, I, you know, it, it seems high, higher level uh, yes. brand strategy, yes, as, you, as, you, as you put it, which is interesting in itself because you could easily say, I do this, I do that. I, do, I, mean, I don't know. You might do copywriting or all sorts of things, but that isn't what comes out of being on your, your site. Right, right, which is kind of interesting. I guess that's a great segue because back – Back when I was being a bank teller and faking a southern accent, um, <laughs> I realized that nobody was ever going to give me the perfect job that I kind of needed to create that for myself. And this current this current version of my brand and of my site is a very conscious decision of how I best serve the world. So I. I love marrying like that, um, the psychology piece and the personality and the deep parts of building a brand that people tend to ignore, especially designers. Designers tend to um, kind of have this, you know, it's the design first. Of course, that's the most important thing because they're they're a designer. Um, but I like to really deep, dig deep underneath that and um, help people connect to something that's more meaningful, a conversation that's worth having, and. Being a freelancer gave me the ability to choose that as my job, which is my favorite thing in the entire world, that I'm able to to figure out what my strengths are and figure out what I do best and then make that my job description. And when it comes to selling that, because obviously you are selling quite a high yeah, a high level mm-hmm. sort of, you know, like you're yeah, not definitely. selling here's a logo or a video yeah. or whatever. Right. Uh, it's it's less tangible than that. So do you find that you need to educate people or get them on board with the concept? Absolutely. Yes. Um, but I think it's really fun. Um, so it's a fun challenge for me because my favorite type of marketing. So my favorite way of getting new clients is creating content and that content serves that dual purpose. So it's educating people on what I believe and what I do for them. Um, and then it's qualifying them. So people who literally just want a logo and they want it for $100 and they 
don't want to have to fuss with it or to do that deep introspective work. They're not my best clients. So by positioning it this way, I get to work with people who do really care about what, you know, how they're coming across in the world. So it's, it's a, a good segmentation, natural segmentation for me. Yeah, that's great. So what sort of content marketing do you do? I have tried pretty much everything. <laughs> to <be honest>. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've done the podcast, um, to be completely frank, I haven't published a new episode in a long time. Um, but I do have it still available on my site and people find me that way. And actually one of my most recent clients found me through, through my podcast, even though I haven't updated it in months and months and months, uh, disclaimer, I just had a baby. So I've kind of, the business took a backseat for a little while, um, mm. So uh, I have the podcast. I also have a Facebook group that when somebody signs up for my email list, they also get an invitation to join me on the Facebook group. So I try to cultivate community and post uh, content over there. And then I also blog. With the podcast, I mean, you you haven't updated it for a while, but it is kind of evergreen uh, it tips, isn't it? It's like th- how to think about your brand. It's advice. Yes, yes. it's almost yeah. like a course, actually. Uh, it's a series of 16 challenges that somebody can take yeah. take their brand through. Um, I was going to say you could probably rebrand that as a, yeah. <laughs> as a course. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's actually Be- because, to-do list. <laughs> yeah, you've you've written the content. It's all there. It, it's great that it's it is a really good way of getting your personality uh, across. Like people oh, get to goodness. know you. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and I'm speaking to the choir here because obviously you're a huge fan of podcasts. But the more that you can have somebody listen to your voice or to see your face in video, the more that they are just instinctually going to like you or dislike you, which is fantastic too, because, because we want that segmentation. Um, so I'm a huge, huge fan and advocate for people to use video and audio. Yeah. Cause you've used video as well. Have you made those yourself? Yes. Um, so that first business that I mentioned, uh, when I was 16, I started a uh, business and I was a photographer. So one perk of that is I have a lot of uh, professional equipment left over. So I use that for, for creating videos. Yeah. Tell you what, since we're on the topic of podcasts and videos and um, all of that kind of stuff, let me just pause briefly and remind you that this episode is supported by the podcast host and they have courses that you can sign up for. They have free resources as well. Um, I'm really intrigued by the mentoring and support element that they do as well, like one-on-one mentoring, but also like group kind of, I I guess I call it like mastermind uh, support you know like so for other people also trying to build a podcast you can get on the line with them and the guys from the podcast host and all learn from each other so whichever stage that you're at whether you're interested in getting started and learning about equipment or you've already got an audience and you're thinking about uh, monetization or marketing and promotion and all of that um, do take a look the podcast host thanks to them as ever for supporting the show uh, you can follow the link via beingfreelance.com um going back to the content though, okay, Kate, and I'm wondering how has the email list and the Facebook group for that matter that you mentioned, how's how's all that panned out? Um, they both take a lot of work. So if anybody is just getting into it and starting it, I think that uh an email list is probably the most important thing. 
But at the same time, you have to use it. You can't just build your email list and then and then hope that it does magical things for your business <laughs> because you have to actually send emails to those people that, that <laughs> sign up for your email list. So uh, I when I'm using them, when I'm when I'm working the system and I'm being consistent with with you know putting out new content and, and being consistently visible in my brand and in my service, then they work fantastic. Um, if I if I ever get to a point in my business, like uh, recently when I was on maternity leave and I was quiet, then I mean you just don't notice the results as much. I think that goes for a lot of things. Yeah, so you need to be consistent. Yeah. Can can you remember what it was like when you started your email list or maybe the group for that matter? You know, like that stage where maybe you've got one person signed up or, <laughs> or four. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and the Facebook group is even more interesting that way, right? Because it's supposed to be a community. Uh, so something you can do there is, is to work on... Um, I mean, you probably have people in your network already that you can reach out to personally and be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Can you come in and play for a little while uh, just to get like that baseline of activity? So I think that's mm. important. Uh, and you're going to spend a lot of time just nurturing conversations and it kind of feels like you're not talking to anybody in the beginning. Definitely. But a word of advice or encouragement from the other side, like once you do this for a while and and I guess my personal brand website has been up for, uh, in different forms, about two years, two and a half years maybe now. And it gets infinitely easier the longer you keep doing it. Like all of a sudden, I think in this last last year, it just feels like things are snowballing and it, it just gets so much easier. So if you stick with it for a while, it's not going to be easy in the beginning, but it's certainly worth it. And then as that kind of like keeps ticking over and it grows and you're uh, being consistent with it, you find that the leads come in. Yes. Um, so I, I launched a course for the first time last fall and I got like a record number of client inquiries during that launch. And the only thing I can attribute it to is whenever I'm being visible, like people realize that they want to work with you. So, so you get a lot of leads. So there's magic in just putting yourself out there and, and telling people how you serve the world and what your point of view is, uh, because the people who resonate with it are going to, to reach out and contact you. Cause there's always going to be a pool of people at any given time that need a specific service. So whether they're launching a business or they're feeling really inauthentic in their current brand, uh, there's those people of highly engaged or like motivated buyers that if you are consistently being visible, then you get to reach them. If you're not, then they're going to go with somebody else. It's almost like turning on a spigot. <laughs> like once you just put yourself out there enough and you're getting in front of those people that could potentially hire you, it, it starts to happen really quickly. Such a good point. Because, I mean, we see it with companies as in like brands, big brands mm-hmm. sort of thing but it totally translates down to personal people, you know, personal brands. Absolutely. And the, uh, I'm intrigued, you know, you could have traded as a brand name yourself. Have you ever not worked as Kay Putnam, if you see what I mean? Well, when I worked for the agency, it wasn't just me, of course. So there was a team of people and we had a brand name. Um, mm-hmm. I've never branded myself as something else. And the reason why I recommend that same thing for for most other freelancers is because you're selling your brain, you're selling your expertise, your point of view. Um, it really makes sense to keep it really personal and to make that 
personal connection super obvious. So one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they first start their business, especially, is that they're terrified of looking too small, where being small is actually your biggest asset because you get to, you work really personally with clients. Um, but if you have a website that keeps referring to the work that you do is like in the third person and like insinuating that you have a team, it, it just doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel true because it's not true, right? <laughs> <laughs> How have you coped with like the, the finance side, you know, like the, the, the more business side of being freelance? So <laughs> my um my husband loves this. So I have a habit of just deciding that I'm going to raise my prices. And I actually just did that <laughs> the other day. I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I can just edit this webpage. I'm just going to change this number. So I did. <laughs> and every time I've done that, um I I keep get I keep getting clients, which is fantastic, but I have a story that I think backs backs up why that happens. So uh, my my family and I went to Florence and the Tuscany region here in Italy. And you might think that when you buy something, you're paying for the results, right? Like if you're buying a copywriter, you expect that copywriter to get results. Or if you're buying a widget, you want the widget to do widget things. But price actually doesn't work that way at all because I willingly paid 90 euro more for a product that was going to do the exact same thing as like a five euro product. So I was searching for a belt <laughs> and the results of a belt are, uh, you know, they're going to hold your pants up. And <laughs> I, was, I was even a little bit more specific because we were in Florence and they're known for their uh, leather goods, the Italian leather. Yeah. So uh, I really wanted an Italian leather belt and we, we stumbled on this open air market and there was just like leather goods everywhere. And it was amazing. And I thought I hit the mother load. Um, but I, as I walked from stall to stall, I realized that they were all exactly the same product. So they must have been mass produced somewhere, right? And the guys that were selling it, were, you could tell that they weren't Italian. I'm not exactly sure what they were. But they weren't Italian and they were extremely pushy to to the sense that somebody or one of the guys was like chasing, chasing after me after I left his stall. You know, Signora, Signora, come back. <laughs> it was just not enjoyable. So willingly, I went to this small little boutique where you walked in and uh, there's a small team of women who were hand making these leather belts and the experience was completely different. So although I was getting the exact same product, um, I was actually getting less choices because she didn't have as much colors and clasps or whatever. Um, you willingly pay more for that brand experience. So it doesn't necessarily even matter what results you get for your clients, it also matters what experience and what story you're telling them uh, when you set your prices. That's great. I like that. I mean, it's interesting. You, you, you talk there about the experience. Do you, do you have like processes in place to like, I don't know, keep your clients happy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so important. And actually, uh, so two, like two and a half, three years ago, when I, even before the agency, when I first hired my first client, uh, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I hired it. She hired me as a copywriter, actually, because that's what I was doing back then. And um, she's like, so do you have like a questionnaire for me to fill out or like a contract? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. And then I would like, go back and create the contract. <laughs> but now, thankfully, as I've been doing this uh, more and more often, 
um, I mean, terrible example because I hate McDonald's and I never eat there, but every time you go to McDonald's, you know exactly what you're going to get. So it's the same type of thing. When your clients engage with you, you want to have a repeatable process. So you're not leaving it all up to chance. So I have you know, a PDF packet that goes out. Uh, they fill out a brand discovery like questionnaire. Uh, my invoices go the same way. And the other beauty of, of having this process set, so if you haven't done it yet, uh, definitely create it. And then the next benefit is I just hired my first uh, virtual assistant or marketing assistant. And since I have that process all defined, she can take over that piece of the business for me. So I can go back to creating content and working in my zone of genius. And she can do that process. She can work the process because it's there. Ah, right. That's interesting. A c- c- couple of times of hearing of virtual assistants recently. Mm-hmm. So you found that useful. Yeah. So in honesty, she just started maybe two weeks ago. Okay. So it's not gone horribly wrong out. yet. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't be an evangelist for it yet. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I, I didn't do the route where, um, I didn't do it like offshore or anything or, um, like Philippines or anything like that. I, I just reached out in my personal network and asked, you know, put out the price and the type of tasks that would be done. And I found somebody fantastic. So I'm really excited about the, the potential there. Obviously, the whole point of like the way you've set up your business is that you can work remotely. I'm presuming you don't really get to meet with clients. So how do you um, deal with, well, being remote? <laughs> yeah, working working remotely and working uh, freelance is almost non-negotiable for me. So on a practical level with my clients, uh, I do all of my kickoff meetings with uh, Skype. Skype is fantastic, um, especially when you can jump on a video call with somebody and see their face. Uh, it really yeah. helps the the personalization. Like you, you feel like you're actually talking to an actual human being, which is which is good. And then um, I now manage my own to do list in my VA's uh, to do list in Asana, uh, which is like a project management system. So that keeps us on track that way. And then time zones have been my arch nemesis. So (laughs) there's a, there's two websites that I use quite often to manage time zones. And one of them is uh, calendly.com. So I, it syncs up with my calendar with my availability, and then it translates the, uh, the time zones for the person that's looking at it. So my clients can log on in their time zone see what, what times I have available for kickoff meetings or, or discovery calls or whatever, whatever they're scheduling and just schedule it directly onto my calendar, which is fantastic. It cuts down on the email traffic by like 90%. Um, and then I also use worldtimebuddy.com if I'm just trying to do a quick translation, you know, just trying to figure out like the parameters of, of when would be a good time to meet. So those tools have been extremely helpful uh, for working remotely. And how about when it comes to getting paid? Oh, good. Good question. Uh, I'm using FreshBooks right now, which I enjoy a lot. Um, it syncs up with Stripe, which, uh, which is fantastic because it makes it really easy for a client to just type in their card number. They don't have to have a PayPal account or, or whatever. And then it, it's a whole, um, they built it for freelancers, which is nice. And then it's, um, it's a whole accounting system. So you can also manage like your expenses and your invoices, your profit loss, that type of thing. 
right in that system. I've got to say, I was I was um, very impressed with Calendly when, when we were arranging this yes, chat. Yes, it's nice. I mean, it was just a nice user experience anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's that whole, it trans, obviously we're not on the same time zone and it's just translated it perfectly. It was great. Yeah, makes it easy. Oh, one more tool. Um, contracts. I use uh, HelloSign, which also has a really nice interface and makes it really easy. Gone are the days of like printing and faxing or <laughs> whatever we used to do back in the day <laughs> to sign contracts. <laughs> now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay. Number one. I met uh, Mark Cuban, and he gave me his personal email address. I know. (laughs) Unless unless it's a lie. Yeah, go on. (laughs) Number two, I have operated this business from two countries and four states. And then uh, number three, I reached six figures in my first business before I turned 21. Right, Mark Cuban is uh, an American businessman, isn't he? He's a billionaire. He's a what? A billionaire? Yeah, he owns a basketball team and. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Did you ask for it, or did like? (laughs) He was the one Hmm. who offered it up. Two countries could just be the states in Italy. So, okay, I'm going to say that one's true. Yeah. Uh, Six figures before your. Did did. The six figures one isn't true. You are correct. But uh, the reality was I reached six figures before I was 18. Ah, Which is pretty cool. But Just to be a bit smugger. I know, but let me use this as like a teaching point. So (laughs) because it's my pet peeve (laughs) that people brag about hitting six figures. I think I brought home like (laughs) $20,000 when I had a six-figure business. So beware when somebody is bragging about the fact that they have a six-figure business that it means pretty much zero. It doesn't mean it's all profit. Yeah, exactly. I'm more profitable now and I don't have a six, six-figure six business at the moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many of those things online oh, now, gosh, isn't it? it drives me crazy. <laughs> and there's different tiers of it too. So there's like in my industry, so I work with a lot of smaller entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs, um, there's the six-figure like benchmark that everybody's going for it but then there's i think a more male oriented stratosphere of entrepreneurs uh that are all reaching like the seven figure seven figure business and it's the same thing like if you don't bring home anything of your seven figure revenue it doesn't really mean anything so cool now if you could tell your younger self one thing about oh hey that does mean you got Mark Cuban's email. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it be? I would tell my younger self to value myself, uh, even if nobody else does. So I think that's kind of been a re- reoccurring theme in my professional life is that I, I do something and I think I'm doing something big. But really, I'm just holding myself back and I have to give myself permission to to charge more, to, you know, demand better flexibility, just to set up my dream career the way that I want to instead of looking for permission from other people. So charge what you're worth, you know, build a brand that supports that and, and enjoy yourself. 
Nice. Thank you so much. You can check out uh, Kay's website and her quiz and all sorts of things which she's up to via beingfreelance.com. We'll put links there along with show notes. Of course, there's loads of other guests. So do take a look and reach out to Kay uh, on Twitter and what have you as well. But Kay, thanks so much. Um, Go have some gelato on us. (laughs) Thank you so much, Steve. This was absolutely fantastic. And I thoroughly enjoy listening to your British accent. <laughs> it's my accent. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, the conversation was great too, you know, but. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I finally enjoy listening to everything that you ever do, but, but it's your funny little English accent. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take the compliments I can. All the best being freelance.